And then Peter gives him the defense and explains, hey man, like look what God has done. It's irrefutable. They hear that. And not only do they go silent, but they actually begin to see how this testimony from Peter is revealing a greater degree of God's glory. You are listening to the Hope Valley Podcast, a weekly production of Hope Valley Church in Winchester, Virginia, with your host, Pastor Sam Rogers. Well, hello, and welcome to Sunday Morning with Hope Valley Church. I'm Pastor Sam. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Valley, and today we are continuing through our study of the book of Acts, and we're actually beginning in Acts chapter 11 today. And uh, we just came through studying course Acts chapter 10, which was really a, a huge uh, turning point. So let's just let me just give you some introductory information into today's lesson, so we know where we're picking up. Okay. So really, perhaps the biggest turning point in human history has just occurred in chapter 10. Right. The God of the universe is no longer exclusive to a certain people group, uh, which at the time was actually revolutionary news, right? Peter had witnessed firsthand the full inclusion of non-Jewish people into the family of God. And in the previous lessons, we we unpacked why that was such a big idea, uh, why that was such a new idea, and how it really revolutionized um, uh, really everyone's understanding of what God was doing, right? Uh, And this is a huge change for the Jewish worldview, right? The idea that a Gentile could have the Spirit of God within them without becoming Jewish was earth-shattering. It was earth-shattering, right? And uh, Peter and the men with him believed it because they saw it with their own eyes. But for those who haven't yet seen it, uh, and there were many Jews who obviously were not present, who hadn't yet seen it, it was still very hard to believe. And so that's where we find ourselves at the beginning of Acts chapter 10. So, or, sorry, chapter 11. So, uh, we're going to pick up in Acts 11, verse 1. We're going to read down to verse 18. And as we do, uh, the question I want you to have in your mind as we read is, how do you know when you're standing in God's way? That's something to think about. How do you know when you're standing in God's way? Okay. Have that question in your mind. Let's begin Acts 11, verse 1. So it says, the apostles and the brothers and sisters who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. And Peter began to explain to them step by step, I was in the town of Joppa praying. And I saw in a trance an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners from heaven, and it came to me. And when I looked closely and considered it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth, the wild beasts, the reptiles, and the birds of the sky. I also heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill, and eat. No, Lord, I said, for nothing impure or ritually unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice answered from heaven a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call impure. And now this happened three times, and everything was drawn up into heaven again. And at that very moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. And the Spirit told me to accompany them with no doubts at all. And these six brothers also accompanied me, and we went into the man's house. And he reported to us, 
how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter, and he will speak a message to you by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he also gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, how could I possibly hinder God? And when they heard this, they became silent and they glorified God saying, So then God has given repentance resulting in life even to the Gentiles. All right, so now we're going we're gonna to unpack this some more, right? Uh, because what we're seeing here is that the stricter Jews couldn't accept Gentiles as equals in the church, right? And by stricter Jews, you know, uh, Luke calls them the circumcision party. Uh, this would have been the Jews that were very strict about if you're going to come into the church, you're going to have to follow all the Jewish laws, all the Jewish customs, even to the extent of circumcision, which is obviously a very private and painful thing to do, right? And so uh, these stricter Jews, they couldn't accept Gentiles as equals in the church. It's actually what we're seeing, right? Because they seemed to accept the Gentiles had been saved. They didn't seem to question whether or not the Gentiles had been saved. Actually, verse 1 says that when they had heard, the Gentiles had also received the word of the Lord. So they didn't seem to object to that idea. That's interesting. But they still saw the Gentiles as outsiders, right? Maybe like second-class Christians. Because in verse 2, you know, in 3, you know, they, 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 they give Peter a hard time. They say, hey, we heard that you're, you're going into the house of uncircumcised men. You're eating with them. You're living with them. Like, what's the deal, right? And so, um, remember, like, in the culture of the time, eating together was a clear sign of close relationship and close personal acceptance, right? You wouldn't just eat with anybody, only people that you truly received as equals in relationship. And so it's interesting, they didn't seem to object to the idea that they could be saved, but they did object to the idea that there could be close personal relationship and mutual acceptance, right? And so Peter begins to advocate for fully accepting the Gentile Christians as brothers, right? Uh, and Peter actually outlines uh, Acts chapter 10 for us, right? Really God's revelation and God's action. Uh, first, he starts with his vision, right? He recounts in verse 8 and 9 how, you know, the Lord had said to him that whatever God made clean, no one should call unclean. And so God was clearly revealing something new to Peter and all Jews really by extinction. This is Peter's first point. Then he talks about the confirmation of the Holy Spirit, right? Because in verse 12, he said, the Spirit told me to accompany them with no doubts at all. And, you know, the Jews... They trusted Peter to hear from God. Uh, the Jewish Christians, they trusted Peter to hear from God. And, and Peter's pointing out, listen, God told me to go and not doubt what I was about to see. So this is the second bigger point that we see Peter make. Then thirdly, he talked about the angelic visit to Cornelius, right? In verse 13, you know, he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, send for Peter and he'll speak a message by which you can be saved, right? And so God was clearly coordinating every step of what had happened. This is another point that Peter's making, right? 
So Gog had told him not to have any doubts. Gog was clearly revealing something new, and Gog was clearly coordinating things. Um, and then we see uh, the the final point really then Peter makes is that is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in the Gentiles, right? Uh, verse 15, he, he had said that, you know, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord. You know, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so this was the final and probably the strongest evidence for full Gentile inclusion in the church. Anyone truly unclean, we've talked about this in earlier lessons, right? Uh, the Jews understood. The Jewish Christians knew. Anyone who was truly unclean could never be filled with God's Spirit. And so by filling them with the Spirit, God had provided irrefutable testimony that there was no longer any distinction between the Gentile and the Jew in the church, right? In other words, God was proving his statement to Peter. What I have made clean, don't let anybody say it's not pure. Don't let anyone say it's not fit for my presence if I have made it fit for my presence. This is what the evidence was by the Holy Spirit coming on the Gentiles in the same way as it had on the apostles and the other believers back in Acts chapter 2. So this is Peter's final really big point, right? And so... Uh, what we see next is that all of these critics, they, they submit to what God is clearly doing, right? You see, to Peter, like there was no choice. Resisting God wasn't a smart plan, right? In verse 17, he said to them, If then God gave them the same gift that he also gave to us, how could I possibly hinder God, right? And, and again, God is the one who calls. God's the one who redeems. If we resist what he is doing, right? If we resist what he is doing in people because of our bias, then we are resisting God himself. And that's a very foolish thing. Peter understood it to be a very foolish thing. I think they understood that also, right? Um, because they weren't too stubborn to see what God was obviously doing, right? Because in verse 18, it says, when they heard this, they became silent. So they were critical but they weren't too stubborn to see what God was obviously doing. And Peter's detailed testimony and four big points made it clear to them that God had done a work in the Gentile people. And so they stopped criticizing. They stopped arguing. They fell silent. But more than that, they actually saw that God's acceptance of all people was a greater revelation of his greatness, right? Um, in verse 18, it also says that they glorify God, saying, so then God is giving repentance even to the Gentiles, right? And so God's love and God's mercy for all people reveal how good and perfect he is. And they understood this and they saw this, right? So it's so interesting because their, their perspective uh, and changes from like, Peter, what are you doing? Like, okay, fine, they're saved, but... They're, these are Gentile people. We can't go eat with them. We can't go fellowship with them. I mean, they're not even circumcised, right? And then Peter gives them the defense and explains, hey man, like, look what God has done. It's irrefutable. They hear that. And not only do they go silent and go, okay, we don't have any objections anymore, but they actually begin to see how this testimony from Peter and the clear work that God is doing is revealing a greater degree of God's glory. It's showing how his love and, 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 his, and his mercy towards people 
is a greater revelation of how good and perfect and glorious he is. And later Paul would, again, unpack some of these ideas really beautifully in his letters to the churches. In Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul would write that God predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one, who of course is Jesus, right? And so Paul's like saying like, you know, he's done these things, he's lavished his love on us, and it's for the praise of his own glory, right? We, in other words, we see how great and amazing God is as he shows his love and his mercy to people. And it's through understanding God's love that we actually understand his greatness, right? Because Paul would go on in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 3, verse 14. He wrote, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that you, uh, I'm sorry, I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height, and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Right. So it's through God's love, it's through understanding God's love that we understand his greatness. That's what we saw happening there, right? So, um, you know, these critics go from having a real issue with, with what they've heard to then they hear the testimony of Peter and they realize, while God is even more glorious than we already thought he was, he's obviously granted repentance even to the Gentiles, right? All people can be saved. All people can receive the love and the mercy of God. And so they glorify him by saying so, right? So now we want to take and we want to apply. Just what are, how can we apply some of the beautiful ideas and truths that we see here in the scripture? So I'm giving you some kind of focus, kind of open-ended questions that will help you explore that and help you begin to apply the truths. You know, just unpack the truths of what's being taught there, but now how do we apply those in our lives? So first question that might help you think through that is, you know, what stands out to you in this passage, right? Um, as you're as you're reading back through it, like what is the Holy Spirit speaking? What what's he drawing to your attention? What's standing out to you there? Um, what did you notice about the way Peter recounted the story of Acts 10? Right, he kind of went through the highlights, but he was very specific about what he was highlighting. Right, so what did you notice about the way that Peter recounted the events of Acts chapter 10? And how can you see yourself in the Jews that confronted Peter? That's another question that can help us kind of apply what we're seeing here, right? Because uh, we all like to be the hero of the story, but we can also look at the people who are being critical and go, you know what? I can see my own criticalness, my own errors in their errors, right? So how can you see yourself in the Jews that confronted Peter? Can you relate to them at all? And um, what does this story teach you, right? So I just encourage you to think through those questions, explore those. Maybe if you're in a group setting and you have the opportunity, uh, discuss this with your group, right? And we want to take what we're seeing the scripture teach, we want to understand it, but then we also want to apply it. Maybe these questions will help you do that. Uh, let me leave you with something to pray about today and something to reflect on throughout the week. Um, first, I really encourage you in your prayer time, really 
if you can, as soon as you're done listening to this lesson, um, ask the Lord for fresh revelation of where he is working in the people around you. Right? Because God was working in the people around Peter. And look what happened, right? And God is still working in people around us. He's working in us and he's also working in people around us. So ask him for fresh revelation. Where are you working? Show me where you're working and the people around me, right? And so that you can partner. You can join him. You can, you can walk in obedience and, and partnering with him in ministry to people. And also ask the Lord for just a greater revelation of his love. Right? We all think that we understand God's love. We all think we understand like how, how, uh, how loving and merciful and great he is. Like, oh, I get it. God's loving. Yeah, he's the best. But we need a greater day by day, a greater revelation of God's love in our life so that we can have a greater revelation of who he is and we can be filled with the fullness of who he is. Right? That's what Paul was praying in Ephesians 3 for the church. So uh, let's pray that way as well. And then the devotional question I have for you to kind of think on and ponder on this week and pray through as well is, you know, Peter seems to take it for granted that resisting God is pointless, right? Like it's, it's inherent in Peter's kind of rhetorical question, right? He's like, who was I to hinder God? Peter seems to take it for granted that it's pointless to resist what God is doing. But do you? Do you take it for granted that it's pointless to resist God? In what ways have you been trying to resist what God is doing? Think through that question deeply this week um, and let the Lord speak to you through it. All right? I hope this has been helpful and a blessing for you uh, today. And I hope that you'll continue with us as we go, uh, continue to go through the book of Acts and uh, continue through chapter 11 in the next lesson. So in the meantime, I, I just hope you have a blessed day and uh, thanks for being with us. We are so glad you have joined us today. To learn more about Hope Valley Church and get access to free resources, just go to www.hopevalley.church. Hope Valley is a church based in Winchester, Virginia that meets in homes around the region. So if you'd like to find out more about home churches, how they work, and how to locate one near you, just go to hopevalley.church house. Thanks again for joining us and may God bless you today.